Everybody and welcome to another episode of Kingdom Family Talks. It's great to be with you and it's great to be with two amazing world changers today. Uh, we are here with Leif, obviously. Leif, it's good to be with you. And we are here in Greenville, South Carolina at Bridgeway Church. We are here for the table conference and we are sitting at the table with the senior leader of Bridgeway Church, Chad Norris. Pastor, it's good to be with you. Scotty, if I had your accent, there would be ten thousand people at this church already. I promise you. Uh, is that a, is that a call to action? Or yes. A, yeah. I'm okay. going to ask for an impartation of your voice. I will release an impartation of my voice. That is. That it's, is my it's good to be here. We're having a great week, yeah. and I'm looking forward to this interview. Yeah, it's uh, life kicked off the the conference last night, and uh, we've heard from Jamie Galloway this morning and Will Hart this afternoon, and Chad, you're speaking this evening. It's just it's a party. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. So uh, I wanted to start because uh, the the exciting thing is it's about, it's just over a year that uh, Leif was here for the first time at Bridgeway uh, last year. And we, we sort of connected with you guys. You guys had been connected for a while in terms of, I suppose, on the phone and, and maybe meeting at other meetings, but you actually hadn't really done anything together. And so it's it's probably just over the year anniversary that I think it was when you actually asked Leif to come come for 2017 for the table. So how did you guys first meet, Chad? About five years ago, I was on staff at a church called Crossroads Community Church, and uh, leadership there at that church brought Leif in for a uh, just a one Sunday morning. And it's it's those encounters that you don't see coming. I, I told my wife when, when Leif was done ministering, I said, I felt like I just watched my dad minister. Wow. And now here we are, you know, five years <laughs> later, uh, Leif being a spiritual father in my life. So it was just a God set up. He ministered at the church I was at. Wow, that's awesome. We When we, when we came last year, uh, we got to have a meal at your home and uh, with, with your wife, Wendy, and your three amazing children. Uh, how did you come to be here at Bridgeway? I grew up in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I told God that I would never pastor a church. I had a radical encounter with Jesus at age 16 at the altar at a, at a Baptist youth camp with about a thousand people in the room. I I started just shaking, and for a Baptist, I, you know, I didn't know what that was. I, I got electrocuted by God in love, but I said, "Listen, I love you, but I'm I'm never going to pastor a church." So I went I went to seminary. <laughs> I guess I just kept putting it off in my mind. I'll, I'll just do something else. You didn't else. want to pastor a church, but you went to seminary. There you go. I just yeah. figured I'd travel, you know. <laughs> and then I said I would never move back to my own hometown. Wow. So I, I God called me back here in 2000, co-founded a ministry called Wayfair, and uh, lasted a decade. Uh, we traveled, traveled for a living for a decade. And out of the blue, uh, while ministering one night, the father said, I want you to pastor a church. He got my immediate yes, but I, it's, it's not what I wanted to do. Wow. 
I love the common thread here. Leif was a Baptist pastor. <laughs> you were a Baptist pastor. Yeah. And I came from a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. So there's something Bapticostal going on here that, <laughs> yes. that seems to be taking off. Yes. Leif, you, everything that you do is out of relationship. You are highly relational. Um, you, you have a relational network. Um, what was it that you saw in Chad that you went, I want to be in a relationship with this guy? First of all, I think that, uh, I mean, because I didn't remember specifically the five years ago when we were there, it was a connection in the spirit. And I think the second time also, uh, there's some of our relationship, you spend a lot of time with someone and uh, over a period of time you go on a date and eventually get engaged and then there's marriage with somebody, they're covenantal. But then there's other relationships where, like say Paul Yado, when, when we pray for him, oil came out of the hand it was just something supernatural and you just like it's marriage right away you just know that God is doing something and it was very similar with Chad and I I knew it in my spirit when we walked out of the elevator well I feel it right now there was like the and it was the wind that came there whoa Whoa. and yes and that was in Nashville Nashville yeah Yeah, I was speaking at the voice of the apostle in in, in Nashville and just was kind of hurried through the crowd that Mm -hmm. was what I was going to do come out of the elevator and it's like and then we connect and looked at each other and mm. but but because this wind kind of a just wow what was that and it, there's only maybe two three times in my life yeah. i had a similar experience you just know like this is a sign that makes you wonder yes but it doesn't take long to know what you're supposed to wonder about mm. and then so we did it was just like okay god what are you doing here and now it is just for us to get in on what god was doing and connecting and and i didn't realize to what degree of course since then that it was such a setup for me in regard to something that I've needed in my life uh, because I think that with Chad, the uniqueness of how gifting is people are asking me sometimes and I, I, I wouldn't even know if he's an apostle or prophet in a sense because mm. both of them are, it's almost he flows in and out of several different realms. So in one way he's, he's a mystic, in another way he's operating in a so supernatural and natural way so many many times when we are on the phone he's just there's the right time he can say something in a sentence that has touched me or Mm -hmm. i can think about chad and then he calls me or opposite so Mm -hmm. there's this incredible supernatural connection and communication Mm -hmm. that has been going on in in our relationship and now i know it's connected to both this next move of god's spirit that is Mm -hmm. touching the nations of the world in a very special way Mm -hmm. chad I've, i've personally experienced some of those those kind of wow moments <laughs> yeah. where you know sitting at a dinner table and you know it's a put your fork down on the on the plate kind of moment uh but i think the thing that really engages me most about you is this hunger to be a deep friend of god mm. it's mm. You, you mentioned it i think this morning from the stage just in a sense that you you desire above everything else to mm-hmm. be a deep friend of god mm-hmm. where did that come from where did that desire came come from when I was five years old, my hero dropped dead of a heart attack. My grandfather. Wow. He was my papa. And uh, I've never felt more alone in my life. I began to have panic attacks. A five-year-old kid began to see into the demonic realm. Uh, demons would appear in my room. I don't have anybody to talk to about this. Not, nobody. I, I had no grid for this. I have no Genesis 3 theology of a broken world and an enemy. But laying there, knowing my papa's not here anymore, mm-hmm. I would go sit in his green leather chair. And I, I could, I'd smell it, and I would touch the chair, and I would just I would imagine him like being back on the earth. And I overheard a 
one of my grandmother's friends say, well, now he's with God in heaven. So I'm five years old. Hmm. Something went off inside of me, and I said, I want to know who took my papa then. So who's God? And that led me on a rabbit trail all the way to seminary, uh, honestly going to seminary to try to figure out how a sadistic God could take my grandfather from Hmm. me. Hmm. The whole time not knowing he's the nicest person that ever existed. And at 28, I had a nervous breakdown. I was on Xanax, Klonopin, and Zoloft, uh, collapsed in my kitchen floor, too afraid to kill myself, too afraid to live, completely frozen. And I went to preach, imagine that, the next week, and I'm preaching, oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> preaching the exact opposite of what I'm preaching now. There's no telling what I preached. And this young lady named Julie Bain walked up to me and handed me a card. Her, her dad was a spiritual warfare counselor in Titusville, Florida. That's such a thing. Yes. A spiritual warfare counselor. Yeah. Okay, oh, wow. that's the, I've never heard yes. that before. Wow. And my wife was eight months pregnant. And I've often said that desperation doesn't move God, but desperation will move you. And when you move, you'll find God. Mm. We drove nine and a half hours for me to get a three-hour counseling session. <laughs> wow. In the counseling session, in the middle of the counseling session, <laughs> no choir, no guitar. <laughs> we didn't dim the lights. I had an open vision. I checked out of the natural. I didn't know what to call it. Jesus Christ was about 5'11", 185 pounds. Hair, longer hair, walks right up to me, about a $5 looking tunic. There's two angels on one on both sides. One had a long sword. One was 11 feet tall. One was about 6 feet tall. The other one didn't have a sword. He stared right at me. He never took his eyes off of me. And he said, I'm your healer. Trust me. And he said it twice. And it wasn't power that knocked me out of the chair. It was love. Mm. And when I came off the floor, I looked at my wife and I said, everything is about to change. Mm. Because I had enough theological training to know that Hebrews 1, if you've seen the Lord, you've seen the Father. So what started at five years old, I got my answer, not in seminary. I got my answer in one, in one encounter that perhaps it is true. God is love. From, the, from that moment... I do not remember a second of depression from that moment. Hmm. Uh, heaven's going to be amazing. I, I felt like I weighed an ounce. Love poured through me. And, 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 and so all that did, and the Lord, he's the best I've ever seen in his job. Here's what happened. He wet my appetite. Hmm. I bet I read the Gospel of John over a thousand times. I became a terminator. And this is the funniest funniest point, and, and, and I'll stop here. I went from having a nervous breakdown at 28 to seeing blind eyes open at 29. Mm. Hmm. All, all of a revelation of, wait a minute, the Lord's very nice, and his <laughs> father's really, really nice. This is, um, this is too good to be true. And, and, and so it started with the death of my grandfather, and I got my answer at 28. Mm. Wow. Wow. What, what did that actually look like the next day (laughs) oh man you got to understand I went to a reformed seminary in Birmingham Alabama called Beeson Divinity School that I'm still proud of to this day when I looked around the landscape of my life I asked my wife who am I supposed to talk to about this yeah I've never heard of GMA Leif Hetland this stream I didn't know what happened in Toronto other than there's a professional football, baseball team there and it gets cold in the winter. I don't know John or not, Cheon, Bishop Garlington, Bill Johnson, Andrew Wong. I, I, I didn't have a mentor. 
Mm. So this, here's what it looked like the next day. <laughs> this is a funny. This is the funniest baptism in the Holy Spirit story I think I've ever heard. I go home and I'm sitting on a black futon at 3 a.m. and I said, Father, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit like Jesus did. And He said, Okay, just go. I heard Him, and so I had to raise my hand. No angels, no chill bumps. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I began to hear Him like Whoa. that day. That's it. And then I realized he would talk back to me as much as I would talk to him. Hmm. And I'm not really a go in the prayer closet kind of guy for eight hours. Oh, I just maybe I can get there one day. I just talk <laughs> to God all the time. I just don't stop talking to him. When Paul said pray without ceasing, I'm thinking, well, you got to get something done. Like, you, you can't just go into a closet. And so it was. I didn't have a mentor. Uh, I asked for a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I said, I want to be best friends with you, Holy Spirit. Wow. And I used that language then. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And you know what changed me? The Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to be religious. I wasn't trying to earn his approval. I was like, I saw a blind eyes open because everywhere in John, all he's doing is praying for people. What is it about the Gospel of John over the other Gospels it, that you connected with? Well, <laughs> that's a great question. They're all great. The season of life I was in, it is such an intimate Gospel. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's so much light in it. Mm-hmm. And for a person that came from clinical depression, panic attacks, agoraphobia, Zoloft, Klonopin, Xanax. It was, it's like a very kind letter. And I loved how tender John was. I'm, I'm looking at this guy, and he's got his head on the chest of, of God, who I used to think hated me. And I did enough barnyard math just to say, wait a minute. If Jesus liked this guy, then he likes me. And then I began to put my head on my pillow at night, and I would say out loud, Lord, I imagine my pillow being your chest, and I'd start crying. Whoa. And I couldn't stop crying. And it, it, that's how it started for me. Wow. And I haven't stopped. I mean, that's been, it's been 15 years. I'm just getting started. Sure. Hmm. Wow. Leif, I want to switch that back to you because this is something that I've never asked you. But you're, you know, Chad just mentioned Toronto and obviously connected to that is Randy Clark. Hmm. And Randy is who prayed for you on June 6, 1995. After you had that encounter, what, what did it look like the next day for you? I had actually for a whole week, sovereignly speaking, and uh, sovereignly speaking, it's all the manifestation gifts was operating out of me. It's almost like Jesus clothing himself in his Norwegian body for one week. So the next day when I woke up, it was like a super sensitivity. But it was almost like, so I could walk where there used to be, I could still see it in Sunnis, Norway. I was the Baptist pastor. Mm-hmm. But I'm walking by the railroad tracks. There's alcoholics, heroin addicts. That's kind of where they would gather around. Because I could know what Jesus was thinking, what he was feeling. And I went up to them, had accurate word. It was just a remarkable week in a sense of the best way I can describe it, Jesus just clothing himself in his Norwegian body. And looking back at it, it was, if I hadn't had that sovereign move, I probably maybe would question me being impregnated wow. with what God did with Randy because that week was almost like I know that what happened that day because everything that took place and then there was also another prophecy of uh, actually my wife and I had a bad argument and I was translating for a guy called Peter Helms uh, he was a wirewormer from Holland he came up and he also came up to me in the middle of nowhere and said you're going to see a million Muslims coming to Jesus and before that I mean so you had two things here you had that week that was sovereignly speaking well where I just was able to operate in these gifts then it just lifted and then as I'm saying this destroyed destroyed my neck mm. all these things that started to happen it's like the enemy just came in did everything to try to stop me but I think that what kept me also going then after the Randy Clark's 
uh, importation brought with the fire and everything else, I knew this was God. Mm. I didn't I didn't have a language to describe what was going on with me. That took many years later that I became a student of it. But because of those two specific things, I could go back again and knowing about that real experience, almost about an invitation or something I'm going to do in the future. Mm. So it, it gave pain purpose. Mm. So Jesus endured the sufferings because the joy set before him. So the words over me now was, even if it was far into the future, and I never experienced anything, and everything opposite seems to happen. But because I had that initial bought with Randy, but also the manifestation, it was all my papa just kissed that week, and that word that came in. Over the years, when it looked like that, I was able to eventually look back and seeing that that significance uh, that took place there. And, and there was also a, a revival that broke loose among a lot of the people at that moment, like bikers, mm. Hells Angels guy. Well, I was not directly involved because it was a sovereign move of God that hit this Hells Angels guy. And he got, but that started in the environment of darkness to spread. And our church suddenly started also to change as a result of it, where my Baptist church, they come in with bikes and tattooed and other people were showing up and it started to be a pretty big mess uh, wow. in, in our Baptist church as a result of it. Wow. <laughs> uh, I think that's a, that's a great, it's a great, uh, you know, Will was just sharing this afternoon just in terms of if, 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 if what you're carrying doesn't scare some people every now and then, then I question what you're carrying. You know what's funny about the Holy Spirit? He'll mm. get you into more trouble than anyone I've ever met. Yeah. And then he'll get you out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he'll put you right in the middle of it. He's mm. the provoker and the solution. Yeah, yeah it's like the time yeah. Paul said, we're going to go into a certain city, and the Holy Spirit said, no, go in the other one. <laughs> and then that's when he got stoned, and most scholars believe that's when he died and went to the third heaven. Holy Spirit led him right into a hornet's nest. <laughs> wow. What, is, what does that look like for you here at Bridgeway? I mean, obviously... You know, when you, it's a fairly large church here, and you've got a, you've got an amazing team, and you've got a lot of different programs, and you go to school. But what does, what does holy chaos look like? Well, here? to understand the story of Bridgeway, you have to go back seven years. Okay, um, take us back seven years. This, okay, this is a great story, and this is going to be a really long podcast, yeah. by the way. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll make it really, 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 really quick. We made the mistake, I'm being facetious, of reading the Gospel of John a thousand times, and we just said. If we don't start, if we don't see someone healed, then what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the, the founding pastor of the church that I came from, he called me because he thought I was the only one crazy enough to preach at the healing service. And uh, I saw God open up a blind woman's eyes named Gail. And I thought, this is amazing. Oil started showing up. Gold dust started manifesting. I thought, this is, this is the best of times. <laughs> then we lost over 40 families from our church. Because they, they didn't have a grid for it. They weren't Correct. comfortable with it. And, you know, you just think, what in the world have we turned into? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and so we're like, well, we found Jesus and we've lost our church. And now, <laughs> seven years later, it's just amazing what's happened. Uh, now we're Bridgeway. Mm. And what's interesting about Bridgeway, I'm actually getting my doctorate right now. Mm-hmm. At Bridgeway, we want to be a bridge between both the word stream and the spirit stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to check our brains at the door. Mm. The Father wants Bridgeway to be a place of PhDs and laid down lovers that raise the dead, literally. Mm-hmm. And typically, you see in the American church, you have to choose between one stream, mm. yeah. a spirit stream or a word stream. We want to be a bridge between both. Wow. And, and it's hard to find that. And the Father's given me a passion to just hand Jesus the bread and the fish 
and say, take what you're doing here and multiply it all over the world. I, I want to see hundreds of thousands of churches that are a bridge between the Word and the Spirit. It's like R.T. Kendall said a few years ago, typically in a divorce, some kids go with the mom, some with the dad. That's what happened in the church. There mm. was a divorce. There was a divide. Mm. Wigglesworth said before he died, the greatest move of God would be an indicator of the Word and Spirit stream coming back together. Mm. That's mm. what we want to be here. Mm. Yeah, like you often put it that if you... How do you put it? If you, if you overemphasize the word, you dry up. You overemphasize the spirit, you blow up. You bring them together, you grow up. Yeah. And it, it, I don't know who first that said it, but that's, yeah. yeah. And I, I think also what part of the things that we have in common in the DNA, because I've, I think that to some degree, both of us are extreme, but mm-hmm. there was a side, I mean, we went for the power. And this is raw power. We're doing a breakthrough. And, and I saw it. I'd seen over half a million people saved through it, created miracles, going into the darkest places, been to 53 countries. But as I'm saying, it was not driven or motivated by love. And then I've been in the wisdom camp because I had about 10 years and going to all the seminars. If it was John Maxwell or Zig Ziglar for motivation, I mean, everything that the wisdom world had to do. But I think that right now what I'm seeing with the sons and daughters is that the conversions where love is in the center, and the convergence of seeing now power and wisdom flowing from that because Jesus is fullness of power and fullness of wisdom that he is love. So I think that we can have as much, it's based upon a lot of scripture verses, but we can have as much power and wisdom as we are comfortable with love because that's how comfortable we are with God. That's why I'm expanding the love so that we can then expand more power and wisdom flowing from ordinary sons and daughters in every area of life. And that's very much similar to what he's saying in regard to how does wisdom look like building cities? How does wisdom look like discipling nation or building companies or TV stations? Or, I mean, wisdom looking at something that is such a beauty that it's just going to change nation and, and the raw power and all of it flowing from a place of love uh, because that's that's part of the beauty that I think that we are experimenting with and we're seeing the fruit of. So it's not one or the other. Some, if they lean towards power, they often move away from wisdom or they move into wisdom. But it's like the eagle with a whole convergence. The embodiment of that eagle is love. And then the wings is power and wisdom. And then you are soaring and resting. Chad, what are some, I mean, you, you mentioned you want Bridgeway to be this bridge, but what are some of the practical things that you have been Instituting or starting to build and fashion that become a foundation for that to become a reality. A lot of charismatics assume that to see God move, you need to do away with structure mm-hmm. and systems. Yeah. A small pause to understand that it's called the solar system, and mm. the Father created it. Yeah. Will show that, in order to build anything out, including what Jesus built out. Let's not forget Jesus Christ was a high-level rabbi. Rabbis were very systematic in their approach. His ethos, which is a rigorous spiritual habit or discipline, he was very structured. Mm -hmm. At Bridgeway, we have noticed that to ask the Father for the river to flow is not void of structure and system. So I've been here now going about to be on year four. We've actually implemented systems. Uh, For example, one of the wisest decisions we made was to take this idea of spiritual authority, Watchman Nee, or undercover John Bevere, and to set up a house of honor mm-hmm. with structure. Oh boy, I wish I would have done that even at the very beginning. But that has been a structure system for us that's grace-based. What does that look like? It looks like an elder board that is honored. It looks like an overseer here who's a 76-year-old man named Jack Hancock. 
with his wife, Amanda, who founded this church 40 years ago. Wow. Um, it looks like uh, me as the father of this house and my wife as the mother of this house, that yes, we are all co-heirs to Jesus Christ, but there's different levels of authority in, in, in the local church. A lot of charismatics don't even, don't even want that. Just let me be me, you be you. Undercover looks like honor. Honor has to look like something. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is stru- there's structure in the, in the leadership of the church. That's been the wisest decision I've made. I was leaving the church a year ago, walking out to go home one day at the building, and the Holy Spirit said, do you know why you're winning here? And I've learned if he ever asked me a question, it's not because he didn't know the answer. Mm-hmm. It's because I don't. And I said, what's on your heart? And he said, it's because of your honor to Jack and Amanda Hancock. Wow. And I said, well, I would not have said that. I would have thought purity, hunger. Mm-hmm. He said, it's your honor of the overseers of this house. Mm-hmm. Boy, that sent me on a structural journey mm-hmm. of, wow, this is this is how it works. Remember, was it James, Peter, and John, John that got in an argument? Okay. And and, and, Acts. Gonna have to, yeah. and then and James stood up and when James spoke they said no problem it shows me there that James had different rank mm-hmm. than the other yeah, two wow. a lot of charismatics don't want to have this conversation it, it's proved to be a great structure for us yeah. other than that core values um, defining what banks of the river are I read an article uh, not too long, I don't know a couple when years ago when you say banks of the river do you mean kind of like the formwork where freedom flows between or yeah well John and Carol Arnott said if they could go back and do it over again they would have had that conversation in Toronto like what, what that looks like because mm-hmm. like even what Will Hart just preached I want the Lord to do whatever he wants at Bridgeway I mean that I have no opinion but even with that if you read Paul God does like order. He does like structure. Mm. It's such a paradox. Typically, most people think um, either or, and we've started thinking both, both. and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think it's very interesting because we've just had, we are a very much similar conversation. And, uh, but it's one of my friends or newer friends. His name is Dion Van Ziel. And uh, he, uh, he actually just, their organization just bought the Catalyst, which is one of the biggest leadership forums, and I had an honor of, we spent some time together, and we were just talking about, he used a language with upstairs and downstairs, pretty much the British, where you have the royal family upstairs, but the execution is downstairs. And he provided a phenomenal language, where some people are very good at downstairs, the structure and this and that, but they don't have upstairs. And other ones, they're upstairs, and we have charismatic, but you don't have downstairs infrastructure and how to be able to bring yeah. those together. And we sat for six hours, and it really touched me in regard to the very thing you were talking about yeah. is, uh, how, how do we do that? So I just, uh, and we can see that here, that you do have both, and they are both together in a very beautiful way. It's our goal. I want to shift gears a little bit here because uh, I'm just conscious of time. Um, but you, two things I want to ask you about, Chad, uh, that I've noticed. One thing is you have a very strong emphasis on mentoring people in this in this culture here yes and the second thing is you're also very good at celebrating people's dreams yes and, and a dream culture yes how do those two things come together not to be not to be funny but this is found in Jesus so let me get this straight you're the most powerful person that ever lived you're God in flesh you basically mentor three men he only took Peter, James and John on top of the mountain where are the other 120 he invests in those three people and they change the world and then Jesus said look guys it's better for you if I go for then he can come and you're going to do greater things than I've done Jim Collins wrote the number one selling leadership book of all time called Good to Great Mm -hmm. and he researched it wasn't his opinion he he researched and he found that the great CEOs were humble 
They valued other people above themselves. They're always working themselves out of a job. Mm. So that's the ideology behind it. How do those two things happen? Well, it is hard. It is <laughs> so hard to make a true disciple. It Mentoring is hard, which is why very few people do it, because family is messy. Yeah, it's, It takes a long time. And here, here, here is the kicker for me, and I believe uh, Papa Lev said this last night. Yeah, he did. I don't reproduce what I know. Mm-hmm. I reproduce who I am. Therefore, you want to know why mentoring's hard? Because I'm asking the question, well, is my marriage worth emulating? Am I yeah. worth emulating? Yeah. And that's why people are like, you know what, God, just give me a gift. I don't want to mentor anyone because I don't know if I can. It is hard. There is a structure behind it. You got to be patient, and it's more modeled than taught. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, my house is it. There's people in my house all the time because there's so much invitation. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm just reading Lake's books, that's great. I can be blessed by that. But if he's going to be a spiritual father, I need to be. I need to be watching him. I need to be around him. Last week, I went to the Voice of the Apostles only to be around Lake. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because he's mentoring me in this season. I was around Jennifer. It takes time. There's actually a model to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, a word we use around here is orbiting. So like if whoever my Peter, James, and John is in this season, they need to be orbiting around me a lot. I don't know if that answered your question. No, I think that's really good. I suppose one other thing is uh, how do you, as a leader, how do you celebrate the dreams of the people that you're mentoring without being threatened in your own dreams? This is the number one, I think one or two indicator of a spiritual orphanhood. Yeah. The inability to celebrate someone else's dream is like mm. King Saul, King Saul, King Saul. Here, <laughs> he's got the Saul meter on him. Saul meter. Uh, how, like how do we do that? How do I do that? Mm. I think the people that do it the best are really close friends with God. Mm. You can't fake humility. Mm. You cannot fake it. Mm. It was funny. I, I was in worship today. And I was just I was talking to the Father, and I was like, I just... I want you to open my eyes to see you. And he started talking to me about my 14-year-old son, Sam, mm. and, and his plans for Sam. Mm-hmm. And my first reaction, out Sam's of my heart. Your, Sam's your oldest. Yeah, yeah. he's my oldest. Yeah. I said, Father, use him to change the world. Like, make, take him a million miles mm. past where I'll ever go. But then I said this, but don't ever let me stop hearing your voice on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Even, doesn't this conversation go back to friendship with God? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm friends with God, remember when Simon Peter said, hey, what about John after the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do with John? And the Lord said, hush, <laughs> let me do with John what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Leif, I think this is something that you model really well in terms of mm-hmm. uh, with so many spiritual sons and daughters and celebrating their dreams. But I think one of the things that I've noticed from being around you for a couple of years is that it's almost a game for you to outdream you are a very good dreamer. I remember sitting next to you in Penang two years ago and one of the exercises was, okay, take out a pen and paper for the next five minutes and write down as many dreams. And I got to about three and started feeling like, you know, I was asphyxiated mm. and Leif's pen's writing, <laughs> I think he was running out of ink and, and he leant over to me, he's like, this is my favorite game. You know, I don't have a problem with this, but you are such an extravagant dreamer and I think that that gives you a place of security to be able to celebrate the dreams of other people around you, whether they're peers, whether they're you know people like Bill or Randy or Heidi and, and, and your peers, or they're people that you're really fathering. Mm. What would you add to that in terms of 
No, I think that the, now the joy for me in regard to, first of all, uh, I'm living my dream in, in a sense. So, yeah, so, so the dreams over my life is something that I'm, I'm seeing being fulfilled. The only thing that is more exciting is to see other people fulfilling their dream. But again, I think that part of that I want to just add here is that you can have orphans, and if you're helping them to climb the top of their mountains and everything else, uh, it still looks like an orphan. So for me, it was I wanted them to actually, if they were representing the father, and the father gets honor afterwards. So it was more, where's an expenditure compared to an investment? So I learned yeah. to invest, and when I realized there's people that that is going to invest their life in other people and reproduce that instead of just helping somebody to get on the top of their dream and. Wow, you became a superstar. So that was probably 12 years ago. I started to invest specifically in what uh, Chad so beautifully mentioned. What is your John and Peter James John? I wanted to invest in the ones that literally is happening today is they're discipling nation or people like Chad, people that they are literally, that's where I want to invest my life. But more than anything else, I have Papa Jack in my life that even what you've seen with the Kingdom Family Movement in 22 countries, it was because he had a the father's and mother's dreams, sons and daughters have visions. The old dream dreams, the young see vision. So I think it's also even see the generation thing. Then the young ones becomes fathers and mothers and their sons and daughters will have. And you see this multiplication. And this is the thing that starts to excite me now is like, I mean, what I'm getting from Chad and being together with him, it just, wow. And what I'm getting from Paul Yadro, all of their stocks goes up, my stock goes up, and it makes me so much greater than I am. And this is another thing that starts to excite me in this season. When I see the kind of people that Papa has put around us of different people and what that is doing to my life, I don't have an excuse myself to, to look at one million. I have to start to look at the billion. Mm -hmm. It's just something changes in the way I am dreaming because I'm realizing that I have to go after something much bigger than myself based upon the family that God has brought around me. Mm. Wow. On a strategic level, Leif's influence on me and Paul will go further than his own ministry. Mm. Look at Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Peter, James, John. It, how in the world does tiny little bitty Jerusalem overcome Rome in 258 years? Within 258 years, Rome was declared a Christian nation. Wow. Well, every, everybody likes to talk about the ideology of Jesus or the theology of Jesus. No one talks about his methodology. So I read a book by Rodney Stark. It is so boring. You wouldn't want to read it. <laughs> Sorry, Rodney. Yeah. It, it's called The Rise of Christianity, written in the late 60s. He's a sociologist. I think I had to read part of that in seminary. Yeah. Well, he asked the question, how in the world did this ragtag bunch of people with no weapons overtake Rome? It started with Jesus picking his Paul and Chad. And then he just got out of the way, and it kept multiplying and multiplying. Mm -hmm. The, the strategy is brilliant, but you know what orphans do? They want their own ministries, and they mm -hmm. isolate themselves. Mm -hmm. So he says, stay away from anyone that threatens me. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, you've got a... Uh, you've got a book that you've been working on for some time, and it's not it's not yet in print, but it's on its way. It's called Mama Jane's Secret. Tell us a little bit about the story behind it. It is called that. Mama Jane's Secret, My Grandmother, My Hero. I cannot wait to be with her in heaven again one day. Wow. How to Build Deep Friendship with God. And it's a, a look at what does it look like to literally be deep friends with the Father. It's, this book is not about Jesus or the Holy Spirit. This book is about the Father. <laughs> I believe that this, I prophesied four years ago. Whoa. I prophesied four years ago that this next big move 
from heaven. It is about one person, the person that Jesus said who was greater than he was, the Father. So it's fun. Um, God tells me all the time, use your humor, be real, uh, relate to people. It's a fun look at what does it look like to be friends with him. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm excited to read it. It's uh, it's it's gonna be awesome. And I have the honor of forwarding that one, so yeah. I have the script. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm also very excited. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. It's I'm just blown be. away. Just being here, being at the family gathering with you guys a month ago, and it's like, God, you're too good. Mm-hmm. I mean, how in the world is Leif Hetland writing the forward of my book? And uh, it's just like, you know what? For your own fame, your own glory, help a lot of people build friendship with you. So good. Come on. I'm gonna do what we normally do at the end before you release a blessing because I know I have an I have an inkling of what's gonna happen when you do that and so I may not be able to say this after you've <laughs> released what probably you, is on your heart. Uh, if people want to connect a little bit more with what's happening here at Bridgeway and 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 connect more with what you're doing, what you and Wendy are doing, uh, people can visit bridgewaychurch.org. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And. Uh, also, obviously, you can always connect with us at globalmissionawareness.com, but I wanted to just do a quick plug. Leif mentioned it a little bit subtly that uh, we have a very exciting uh, platform we're launching in January called Convergence. And uh, Leif, what, what is this about? I think that uh, the primary reason why we are doing this, that I'm meeting all these different people that are coming on a consistent basis, and they are looking for love, they're looking for power, and they're looking for wisdom. Either one out of those three. And for the last 30 years, it's like I had three wells that I've been drilling. 10 years on love, and it was 10 years specifically drilling deep in regard to power and being in this season of wisdom. And now when we bring these three together from a place of love, and then you start to, if you think about a special source of love, and then you bring some wisdom into this, and then you bring some more power into this. But to see a convergence of those things in the life of every believer, if they are a school teacher or a housewife, it's what I've become. And what I've become now, I want to give it away. So this would become more a platform where I am a weekly basis can invest and pretty much you say mentor or disciple to be a coach for other people experiencing the Jesus lifestyle to live and love like Jesus from a place of love but out of that the power the manifestation of the power of Jesus and also the wisdom of Jesus the very thing that Chad is talking about here how does that look like on a daily basis for believers and that's my heart all over the world on a weekly basis just to be there and, and to help people so we grow them a little bit more in love and take some more power and some more wisdom and then in practical application bring them into my life where they have access to me and access to people like Chad and many other of my friends on the wisdom side and power side that they can learn from and be able to drink from those wells yeah it's exciting and uh, just to so you understand how that's going to work it's uh, it's we're going to take you on monthly journeys over four weeks uh, through each of power love and wisdom and then cycle you back through there's going to be some amazing interviews as Leif mentioned we just actually interviewed Heidi Baker this week for the first journey so uh, it's very exciting. Go to myconvergence.tv for more information, and you can sign up for a very exclusive deal. But, uh, Chad, I would love for you to end today by just releasing whatever's on your heart to those who are listening. Mm. You know, let's say you live to be 135 years old, <laughs> and you set some sort of world record. Compared to eternity... That's not a very long time. James said life is a mist. Hmm. I buried a really close friend of mine six months ago, and it rocked me to my core, but it did, it wasn't in a depressing, sad way. It, it woke me up that I'm only here for a short time. I think about Carl, and I wonder about him being in the presence of the literal Father. Hmm. Hmm. 
right now what God is burning on my heart is when it's all said and done Mm. and when Papa Leif's time is up, I think it's going to be about one thing for Leif and one thing for you and one thing for Cody and for me. Where are you at in friendship with the Father? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Words of knowledge, they're, they, they're going to cease. You don't need any words of knowledge in heaven. Mm-hmm. What if you knew that the oil that you built up here with the Father lasted forever? And I don't mean striving for rewards because you're, you want a bigger house up there. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about what if you knew that the level of friendship you built here mattered there? Mm. I have uh, I heard a story recently that in South America, a church went from five families to 300,000 families in 10 years. Wow. And it's because they are driven by an eternal perspective. Sure. My, the friendship that I'm building with Abba here, mm. I want on my deathbed, I want to be talking to him when I take my last breath, just finish my conversation when I get there. <laughs> I, uh, I bless whoever's listening that perhaps for the first time in your life you would have an eternal perspective on on your pursuit of God here. May you be as hungry for the Father as Jesus was and is.